Well, welcome to the third installment and the final sermon in our series, The Struggle is Real. It's been so fun to be a part of a great team. If you were here two weeks ago, you heard Pastor Brad from our Edina campus talk about money. Last week, Pastor Kyle talked about time. And I have the opportunity to talk about a topic that I'm really passionate about. So get ready. <laughs> We have so many choices in life, don't we? Choices like, do I choose to shower today? Do I want to have a real meal for breakfast or just eat double stuffed golden Oreos? Is this picture flattering enough for me to put as my Facebook profile picture? Do I leave the air conditioning on or off in this kind of weather in Minnesota? Do I brave the crowds for sweet Martha's cookies and some sweet people watching, or do I just avoid the fair altogether? <laughs> These are legitimate questions and choices, but if we're honest, the answers to them really don't affect our lives or the whole scheme of our lives. But there is one choice that I believe affects every area of our lives, every day of our lives. And it comes in the form of this question. Do I choose to find my identity in Jesus Christ or in something else? You could also ask, how is it that we define ourselves? It's one question that the world is asking as well. Think about it. We live in a culture where there are so many options as far as how we identify. So for instance, are you Starbucks or Caribou? Are you iPhone or Android, Mac or PC? Are you Coke or Pepsi? And by the way, just a side note, God is Coke, so choose carefully. <laughs> are you single, married, widowed, or divorced? First class or business class, private school or public school, Tylenol or Advil, Vikings or Packers. So many options as far as how we identify and our answers or choices to those questions often define who we are in this world. The New York Times reported that the year of 2015 was the year we obsessed over identity. But it turns out that it's actually not a new struggle or a new question. People have been wrestling with that kind of choice for thousands of years. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the Church of Philippi, uses some pretty strong language with the new believers there when he approached this subject. And we're going to look at what he told them in Philippians chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible, that's great. Turn there. If you don't, there's a pew uh, Bible in front of you that you can turn to. If you've got a device and you can ignore your notifications that come in in the next 30 minutes, that's what we tell the junior hires, then you can use your device. But as we look at this passage, um, I want to be sure that we ask the Lord to reveal himself to us. It's a, a practice of mine personally and even within the junior high ministry that when we approach scripture, um, we acknowledge that we can't understand anything on our own, that our minds are so simple and our human understanding is no match for God. And so there's no way we can truly know who he is unless he chooses to reveal himself to us. And so we're going to pray and ask just for that now. So Father, as we come to you and as we come to your word this morning, I just ask God that you would unveil our eyes 
and that you would allow us to see more of who you are, whether we have been following you since we were young or we're just checking out this faith thing, we need to know you more. And specifically today, as we talk about identity, God, we need to know who we are in you. So would you show us this morning, and we promise in advance to give you the credit and the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter three, and we're gonna read verses one through 10. And I acknowledge that it is a large chunk of scripture, but I think it's important for us to understand the context, and I promise that we're gonna make it real. So Paul says to the new believers in Philippi, further my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I wanna remind you of the context of this set of verses. In the beginning couple of verses, Paul is warning the Philippians of Judaizers. Those are the dogs he refers to, the false teachers of their day. And these were people who were coming in and they were trying to convince those who had said yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ that they needed more than just the death and resurrection of Jesus in order to be saved. That they had actually had to follow Jewish law as well. And specifically, these Judaizers were pushing the act of circumcision to the group of Gentiles who had not had circumcision as part of their past, and I'm quite certain they weren't excited to have circumcision as part of their adult future either. But these Judaizers were doing their best to convince them. Another way that you could explain the gospel they were presenting is Jesus plus. Jesus plus something else. Jesus wasn't good enough on his own. There needed to be more. And Paul was coming at the church pretty strong because the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation that comes through him, is that it comes through him alone with nothing else. And Paul covered it in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. 
He said, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Jesus plus is an insult to what it is that Jesus did for us. And it is a danger, dangerous theory to try to live out. And so because of that, Paul got personal with these people that he loved and had invested in, in uh, the Philippian church. And he started to point to the pluses in his life. He rattled off seven of them, including the fact that he was flawless based on the law of righteousness. Now it's tricky because we might think, wow, he's kind of arrogant, isn't he? But it wasn't arrogance that pushed him to speak so strongly. It was actually passion and conviction. He wanted them to know, look at all I have done. And all of it is nothing when compared to knowing Christ and being found in him. Having my worth and my value and my security, my identity in him. Matthew Henry, who is a commentator of scripture, said it this way in reference to the Apostle Paul. He counted them loss not only insufficient to enrich him, but what would certainly impoverish and ruin him if he trusted to them in opposition to Christ. Now I know as we look at Paul's list, it might not seem very impressive to us, but trust me, it was impressive to those in his time. And even though your list looks different, I promise you, you have a list. I have a list, a list of things that we do in addition to following Jesus Christ in hopes that we will be in good standing with the Lord. So your list might include, I read my Bible, I go to church, check, check, I volunteer, I shovel the driveway of my next door neighbor during the winter, well actually I snow blow it, but still it takes time, I open the door for people. I give to charity, mostly at the end of the fiscal year, but still, I give to charity. I don't swear out loud. I take care of my body. I cut my grandma's toenails. That's a personal one for me. <clears throat> I drive the speed limit when cops are around. I bring a stray cart from the Target parking lot into Target with me when I go to shop and I wear Christian t-shirts and I listen to Christian radio. <laughs> Look at me, plus, 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 plus. Well, the truth is, I think there are some of us in this room this morning and even watching online who have experienced identity theft and we didn't even know it. So we're certain that at some point in our lives, we have said yes to Jesus and we have found our identity in him. But somewhere along the way, we have been lured into this idea of Jesus plus. And that's how we're trying to live out our life and our faith. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul's not saying that his life and his list of accomplishments, his pluses are evil. He's just saying the way he was looking at them was off. He looked to that life and to those accomplishments to put him in right standing with God and it just doesn't work that way. He put his confidence in the, them rather than in God. 
And Paul says that comparing one's identity to Christ to everything else is garbage, trash, rubbish. One translation even calls it dung. That's how serious he is about the pluses compared to Jesus. I once heard a speaker say, we all have legitimate needs, but we try to fulfill them in illegitimate ways. And this truth has changed the way that I see human behavior because it's obvious as you watch people no matter what their behavior is, we all have needs. First and foremost, a need for identity, but then it also breaks down for this need to be loved and noticed. It starts every day as you get up. Questions like, do I matter? Do I have value? Does what I do count? Does anybody really love me? And for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, the answer to those needs to be loved and wanted and accepted, it's simple. It's Jesus. And finding our identity in him that is secure. But living in a way that reflects that truth is difficult. In my years of life and ministry, I have noticed a trend in the way that we attempt to find our identity. And it doesn't matter if you're 13 or 31 or 71, the trend is the same. When we are not in a healthy place with Jesus, in hopes of feeling secured and wanted and noticed and loved, we go to one or more of these three sources. And as I share them with you, I want you to do a little bit of a self-evaluation. I want you to ask yourself, in your past, in your present, when you're not finding your identity in Christ, where do you go to? What do you go to to feel that security and that love and that attention? And I want you to know that I'm gonna be doing the same kind of evaluation because it should be clear to you that Pastor Brad and Kyle and I are not experts on the topics that we are bringing for this series. We are struggling right along with you, but it's just so important to make it personal. So first, we attempt to find our identity in performance. Now you need to understand that performance is a big umbrella. So this is not just how you work or how you do school or your community theater experience. This is a lot bigger than that. So performance could be the way that you are raising your children the way that you care for your lawn, the way that you present, the way you lift weights, the way you drive, how you minister in church, how you care for your aging parents, performance. Now, this source of identity is a tough one because in many ways, I think we were programmed to perform since we were toddlers. Let me explain. Have you ever been in a room with a bunch of adults and then like a nine-month-old child who's just kind of learning his way? Let's say his name's Oscar. And little Oscar and his chubby little legs 
stands up next to grandma's couch. Now, granted, he has a little security of grandma's couch, but he is standing. And the room is erupting with applause. Oh, what a big boy! And then when Oscar takes those chubby legs and starts to walk toward mommy, the flashes are going off and it's like world hunger has been conquered. And that's not even noting that a little bit later he learns how to go potty by himself, which is more of a private situation, but mom still takes a picture and puts it on Facebook. And the likes and the shares beat anything of any time before. Do you sense the tension? Literally from the time he was nine months old, Oscar realized, if I do something well, people will notice and they will applaud for me. And my guess is he also figured out that when he did that and they did that, he felt pretty good about himself. So it just makes sense. If you, since nine months old, have been programmed to perform, when you're not doing well with the Lord, you go to a place like performance to find your identity. But here's the hard truth. Performance will fail you at some point. So you might get promoted and then get promoted and promoted, but then the layoffs happen. Or your soccer team gets to the state championships for the second year in a row and you tear your ACL before halftime of the first game. Or your children are compliant and affectionate and then they enter adolescence. There could be a tragedy. But even if there's not a tragedy like that, here's the reality. There will always be someone better. There'll be somebody who's cuter, smarter, funnier, more talented, and stronger than you. You will lose every time. Second, we find our identity in relationships. Now this one really is unfair because this is hardwired into us. When God created the world, he saved the best for last and created humans. And scripture tells us that God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created us. So check out Genesis 1 verses 26 and 27. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in relationship with one another said, let us make mankind in our image. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in relationship with one another, created us in that same image. Therefore, we are created to go toward relationships. That's why it gets tricky. I remember my first relationship outside of my family. Um, his name was Mark Christensen, but he had a little bit of a speech issue when he was younger. So when he would call the house, he would announce himself as Mark Christensen. So Mark and I met when I was four and he was five. He moved into our neighborhood in the country and um, our relationship got off to a bit of a rocky start. Literally, I threw rocks at him um, when I first saw him. I was under the influence of Jason, our older neighbor boy, of course. But 
after we got past that hurdle, <laughs> um, we became the best of friends. And I've got a picture from my five-year-old birthday party at the country kitchen in Fairbo. <laughs> and as you can see, Mark was just as excited about my Raggedy Ann and Andy pillow set as I was, which means he's a good friend. <laughs> and I was four and he was five, and our relationship centered around riding our huffy bikes across the country and floating in Fox Lake in inner tubes. Um, students, not cool tubes like you have, but literal tire inner tubes. Adults, you know what I'm talking about. You got to be careful of that little stick. Uh, but we would hang out in the lake and we would eat sandwiches together that were layered with potato chips. It was awesome. And I remember, even though I was only four years old, I remember being happy when I was with Mark. And I believe it's because I was created. We were created to be in relationships. And yet, this area can be one that we go to for a false sense of identity. Because you see, even though we're created to be in relationships, we were created ultimately to be in relationship with God first and foremost. All the other people are just a bonus. But like performance, we're drawn to this temptation of relationships from an early age. I mean, don't you remember being very aware of how many Valentines you got in your third grade homeroom class compared to everybody else? And just desperately wanting to be invited to the birthday parties and hoping that you'd get picked first or at least in the top seven for the kickball game or hoping the girl will say yes to your homecoming invitation. And then it gets even more complex as we get older. I don't know if you went to a Christian college, but I did. I went to Bethel and I loved it. But if you went to a Christian college or you are currently, my guess is some well-meaning adult in your life has said, oh my, there's no better opportunity to find your future godly spouse than at a Christian college. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth. When I went to Bethel, the ratio was three to one. Three girls to every one guy. That was tough terrain, okay? That was a lot of pressure. And as we get older, it's pressure like that, and it's roommates, and it's coworkers, and spouses, and children. We just have such a variety of relationships to look to to get that identity. But I can assure you of this, even though relationships are a gift from God, when we seek to find our identity in them, we will be disappointed because at some point they will fail you. So someone will unfollow you on social media. Do you know that they will? They will. I don't know, maybe you're too cool to pay attention to your numbers, but I pay attention. And when someone drops me, it's bothersome. And I try to think to myself, why would they stop following me? And then I just have come to the place where, oh, they just must have shut down their account. Okay, I feel better. But someone will unfollow you. Someone will break up with you. Someone will forget to invite you. Someone will tell you that you are not good enough. Someone will lie to you. Someone will abandon you. But the one who loves you and who says, I want to be all you need, will not. He will not lie to you. He will never leave you and he will never forget you. And his love is enduring, it is unchanging, and it is eternal. That's the kind of relationship that I want to find my identity in. Third, we 
struggle to find our identity in appearance. I talk with so many people who struggle with the way they appear. And you might assume this is just a teenage issue, but I can assure you, you are wrong. You might also assume this is just a female issue, but I can assure you there again, you're wrong. In this visual culture that we live in, both genders and all ages wrestle with society's unrealistic standards and then their physical reality. Because the struggle when it comes to appearance is real. Love handles. Inner tube, again, but this time around my waist. Sometimes called a muffin top. Freckles, thinning of hair, too short, too tall, wrinkles, nose hair, back hair, <laughs> eyebrows that are either fading away or coming back in with a vengeance, varicose veins, must I go on? <laughs> I think you know. And yet we try so hard, don't we? We go to the gym and we, we try to eat less and move more and we research hair removal or hair replacement. We hold on to the compliments of people when they notice the things that we have been working to fix, but then we're instantly disappointed when the people around us remain silent. We compare ourselves to other people, mostly our age, but when we're in really a bad place, we compare ourselves to people who are younger than us and we really will be disappointed. And sometimes we have this sick arrogance because we think our situation or condition is better than someone else. It's exhausting. And there has to be a better way to live. And I'm thankful that there is. Now, for some of us, the struggle is less about the image that we see in the mirror and more about the image that we have in the eyes of those who are around us. So we work really hard to make sure that our family looks perfect or that our house is spotless or that we are always certain, we never hesitate, we never doubt. That's hard work. And I'm wondering, how's that working for you? It's true. God created me in his image. He gave me a body that I am to care for. And it's true that it's important for me to display myself to others in a way that would honor Christ. But here's the hard part. When it starts to consume my mind and my attention, it's a problem. And for me, I know when that happens. I can tell when it turns from something that's healthy to something that's not. And it will fail us at some point. I talk with a lot of teenagers and young people and I say to them, <laughs> just be thankful of your physical condition right now. Just wait till 40. <laughs> Stock up on the Advil because it changes. So as you hear, these limited three sources, performance, relationships, appearance, which one would you say that you go to the most? Some of you are thinking, Heather, all three before I even leave the house <laughs> in the morning. And I get that, and I think there's truth to that. But I have found that we all have a favorite. We all have one that we go back to regularly. And if I'm honest with you, the one that's the biggest struggle for me is performance. With the gifts God has given me, I often end up on a stage or in front of people or in the spotlight. 
I really love what I do and I love to do it with excellence. With how God made me, I like it when people like me and I like it when they tell me. And when I'm in a good space with Jesus, I can take compliments and love and I can take them with a pure heart and then I can pass them off to the Lord who is the one who gave them to me and deserves the credit. Kind of like a good setter in volleyball. You know, like, um, I don't know if you know it, but <clears throat> I was a pretty great volleyball player in junior high. And um, <laughs> I was on the A team in eighth grade, hello, and I was a setter. And in case you don't know, you know, much about volleyball, the setter is the one who, who touches the ball second, right? So the, the serve comes over and somebody usually from the, from the back row passes it. And the, the setter's job is to receive it and then pass it off to the outside hitter who's just going to shove it down her throat. <laughs> Which, truth be told, <laughs> I've always wanted to be the outside hitter, but I don't have much ups, so I had to settle for setter. But I was really good at being a setter. Because I could bring it in and I would pass it off. And the crazy thing is, if in volleyball you hold on to it too long, you'll get called for carry. And so it was really important. Well, when I'm in a good place with God, that's what I do with affirmation and praise. I'm able to touch it and say thank you because I think that's important. But then I pass it off to the one who deserves it. But when I'm not in a good place with Jesus, <laughs> I, oh, I like this ball. <laughs> I take the things that you tell me and I think about them and I repeat them in my mind. And, and then maybe I'll tell, you know, a little something to Chad or somebody else, just, you know, to praise the Lord. And then I start thinking about it more and then I start agreeing with you. I totally am praiseworthy. And do you see the switch? In this instance... The performance is feeding my identity rather than the love of Jesus defining my identity. So what about you? It's not a good thing to be there, friends. Some would even say that it's sinning. Kierkegaard was known to say sin is finding your identity in anything but Christ. So even if I didn't hit it today in these three, there's probably something that you go to. And are you willing today to acknowledge it and to do what Paul did and to hold it up and compare it to Jesus and call it what it is, that it's trash, that it's garbage? Because here's what he said, I'll remind you, verses seven through nine. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, having my identity in him, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or my list, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So back to our original question. Do I choose, because it is a choice, do I choose to find my identity in Jesus Christ or in something else? I promise you, it is the greatest choice you will ever make. I wanna introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Elisa Beard. 
And Alyssa and I met when she came to the junior high ministry when she was in eighth grade. And I remember that Sunday morning like it was yesterday. I remember loving the sparkle in her eye and her sense of humor. When Alyssa was born, she was diagnosed, I would even say given, an identity where she had no choice in the matter. And her struggle is very real, but her choice against all odds is an inspiration to me. And I know it's going to be for you as well. So let's hear her story. Have you ever wondered why God made you? What's my identity in Christ? I wondered that question my whole life. See, I was born with cerebral palsy, and the doctor said that I could never walk, could never talk, could never do anything. But God had a different plan for my life. When I was in pre-K, I had a walker. So many kids made fun of me. I progressed onto crutches. Again, people still made fun of me. I graduated from middle school, went to high school. So I went to this one class that basically a teacher said, oh, you can, can never do anything. You're ugly. You're stupid. You can only make friends with disability kids. So I ran and cried. And in my head, I thought I was stupid and ugly and not worth it. And when I went home that day, I was all alone and I wanted to commit suicide. So I remember grabbing a knife and wanting to just jab in my heart, say, okay, I'm done. I don't want to go through this anymore. And the Holy Spirit nudged me say, wait, hold on. I'm not through with you yet. So that day, I called a friend for some help. And then she called Heather Fields. God used them to save my life that day. I had all these bad things going in my head. Why did God make me this way? And I wanted know what the Bible said about me. I came across to John 9 2 
So these disciples uh, disabled me. And they asked Jesus, who sinned? And Jesus replied to them, neither his parents or him sinned. He was displayed for my glory. So I thought, wow, maybe I'm displayed for his glory. Maybe that's why he created me to have this challenge in my life. So I can bless other people. I thought that I was ugly not worth it but I found my identity in Christ and he says that I'm beautiful I'm wonderfully made I am a child of God <laughs> I love Alyssa's story for so many reasons, but it really puts things in check, doesn't it? As far as the challenges that we face. And I'm just so proud of her. I'm just so excited for her. And I thought it'd be fun if you could meet her personally. So I've asked her to come. Alyssa, come on up, say hi. <laughs> you got it. Got a girl, got a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You guys can stay standing. You can stay standing, good. And now Alyssa and I are gonna have to talk about this not going to her head after the service, but we'll we'll have a little counseling session. Um I'll try. Yeah, you'll try. <laughs> Liz is uh, now 28 years old, which just seems crazy to me. And she actually works here in our Wooddale Academy with the three to five-year-olds and just does everything that she can to find her identity, to choose to find her identity in Jesus Christ every day. And like I said, she's an inspiration to me. And I know that she is just as passionate about this topic as I am. So she's going to help me with the benediction. So we're going to raise our hands to you. But if you want to receive this, if you would just go like this and receive it today, as we leave this room, no matter how attractive other sources seem, may we choose to find our identity in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. 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 Bless you. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>